You're listening to Consolidate That. Welcome to Consolidate That. Today's an exciting episode. We have a friend of mine, a colleague, Julian Renard. He is the CEO and the founder of Vitstoria, the appointment booking platform, and now it does way more than that. He has the background as a veterinarian, just like me. What I learned today, actually, he's really into racehorses as the veterinarian, not as a gambler, and his dream is to have the horse farm one day. He also has a background in the business school, as well as he's been at Vitstoria for how long, Julian? How long has been going on? 10 years now, five years doing online booking, but 10 years in total. Mm. So uh, tell us the difference between what you've been doing just with the booking and what is it now? What's Vistoria doing now? The majority of what we do is around online booking. That's really the key feature of Vestoria, and that's what we want to focus on and we want to always be more performance. So online booking is really the key activity of Vestoria. Ryan, good to see you here as well today. And uh, I think that today is going to be exciting discussion. It's just the beginning of the series that we talked about before. We're going to talk about the tech stack for Consolidator, meaning what software Consolidator should use for the successful execution of the value creation plan. And uh, as the beginning of that patient corridor, Julian represents the software that helps with that. So this is the initial sort of stream, if you will, of Consolidate That podcast, where we will talk about the technology. I'm excited for it. I know we're really happy to have Julian here. Julian's another one of our international guests coming from overseas in the UK, and he's formerly French or still French. So hola, bonjour, cheerio, chip, chip, (laughs) all of those sort of things. So thank you so much. Ivan, we've talked a lot about the patient corridor, and I'd love to get some more of your opinion about it and, and learn more from Julian about how he sees the patient corridor. Yeah, so so Ryan, the, the patient corridor, I think the term, the first time I heard it is from actually our previous guest, Tom. But basically what it is, it's it, if you imagine sort of the journey of the customer, a lot of the times, you know, people talk about the customer journey map. So this is the journey of the pet that needs to get into the hospital. You start with the concerned owner that has the need to bring the pet to the hospital and then somehow they need to find the vet they need to book an appointment they need to show up they need to be checked in and then you know everything that happens in the hospital whether it's diagnostic surgery then at the end they're prescribed medication then they go home and then follow up so that's what i call the corridor and then julian represents that front part of this corridor and uh, julian why don't you help us understand what does vitstoria do and then how that plays that role in initial engagement of the customer that needs to see a vet sure so Ivan and Ryan, first of all, thanks a lot for inviting me. So well, the customer journey starts, um, you mentioned by taking an appointment, but actually it starts, it starts before that. And a practice needs to engage with two type of customer in some way. First of all, the new customer. So they need to find and acquire new clients. And the second part, they need to engage with clients and having them coming back. So the retention aspect of it. Uh, and Vetstoria will be a key piece of the journey of both these types of, of clients. 
So Julian, uh, in that context of the patient corridor or this customer journey, I always thought that appointment booking is important upfront when, uh, you know, when the customer is looking to book an appointment and automating that is important for the veterinary clinics. Now, you also mentioned in the conversation prior to the recording here that it's also important at the end of the visit. So can you expand on that, please? Sure. So a practice needs to do two things. Acquiring new customer on an ongoing basis. We know it's essential to maintain the customer base of a practice and grow the practice. Second element, you need to have the clients coming back. And you need to have the clients coming back. You have, I mean, most of the practice have tech stack around the client retention. It can be an app, it can be appointment reminders, which are integrated in the PIMS. Allowing these piece of software to actually allow your client to schedule online is essential. So to have your clients coming back, integrating online booking into your reminders, into the application used by your client is absolutely essential. So yes. Yeah, absolutely. So the forward booking is something that the dentistry adapted a long time ago. And then veterinarians, actually, when you look at the stats, it's not, it's not, uh, I, I think we're adopting it better, but then it's the discipline of, of having your clients to book that next appointment. So, so when you implement to consolidators, because it's a large scale implementation and, you know, we're focusing more on consolidators, how do you do the change in the hospitals and change their behavior? And how do you roll out the similar workflow to the organizations that I know you work with some that are hundreds of the hospitals. So how do you roll out that unified approach and what is the sort of change management tactics that you use? Well, first of all, we don't have the objective to change the way a practice work. That's actually potentially the most important thing. We know one thing is that each practices are different. And uh, they are different because they have doctors who all have their specificity, their own skills. And all the operation of a practice is centered around the skills of these doctors. They have a process, and usually when consolidated by a practice, they buy a practice, usually the practice is successful. And for them to come and change the way the practice works is very risky. Okay, so what they want is to carry on delivering value as, as they've been doing and just supporting them with the surrounding element of the operation of a practice. That's what their goal is. So when it comes to online booking, what we want to do is very simple. There is a scheduling process which is delivered by the receptions of a practice. And what the receptionists do is they're going to deliver a scheduling process has been dictated by the vets, the nurses, which are within this practice. And Vetstoria is going to replicate exactly this scheduling process. So we have no intention to change it, Actually, our attention is to match exactly the scheduling process. So a consolidator might have 100 practices, but they will have 100 different, different scheduling process. We match this process, that's what we do. Now, there are other elements to this. What we can do is optimizing the customization of each account to make it more successful. So that's coming usually as a second step, but usually, and it has to be done in collaboration with the practice and still be aligned with the operation of this specific practice. So to respond to your question, we don't change it. That's actually really timely that you mentioned that. Our last episode was about consolidators coming in with the intention of not touching anything and sort of needing to to make changes and apply growth levers while still being able to know that 
what they're doing isn't changing the day in and day out life of the of the veterinarians. So that's really neat to know that vet story is an option for the groups that want to come in and make changes, but not change the day in and day out life of the veterinarian. Uh, those growth levers are important and really neat to see. I think that's the key. I think that's really important. And we, we also talked about this concept of the growth levers, and that's how the consolidators change the practice. So, you know, the, the one side of the value creation plan is always arbitrage. And that's, you know, those that mostly don't change anything at all, and they don't want to capitalize on the margin expansion. But when we talk about story and helping the margin expansion at the front, so that means that they're hitting the top line and the top line increases using your solution. And then if you will sort of summarize and where does it fit in? It's one of those probably marketing tools, if you will, that increase this patient inflow. Is that correct? Yeah, that's correct. If I can just go back to the previous question, if you don't mind, Ivan, but you know, I say that we don't change anything. Yes, we don't. We really much, as I said, the existing booking process. However, what we can do is that when we have matched this process, we can help the consolidator to improve it but at least the starting point is matching the starting point of the clinic so we can actually work together with the practice when they are comfortable with the technology when the operational team of the corporate is also comfortable because i mentioned the practice but the regional manager for example are hugely important they are the team which are in direct contact with each hospital manager and when everybody is comfortable that's where we can together adjust and fine-tune the software in order to improve and increase the performances so that's really something i wanted to add is uh, you know that's the second step that's massively important. So we talk about, you know, this change management, these clinics, and then we also talk about the different levels of the organization and the regional management specifically should be the gatekeepers to the initiatives that are changing at the level of the practice. And, and yeah. because you're a mature software now, and I think we met when we were both startups, but you learned this the hard way that it's not like you can just come in, sell something to consolidator and roll it out into hundred practices. You really need to know the capacity, the ability, and the yeah. the readiness of the clinic to implement change. If they were just acquired, if they're all distressed, if they're just going through this, you know, owner change, leader change, values change, and then on top of that, here's more appointments for you, then you can really burn out people and it will start leaving practices. So I'm really glad that you're making emphasis on that and it's very important. Actually, we, when we in some way have sold the software, we don't start implementing without explaining the concept to the, the operation team of the consolidator, without providing the explanation, without making the effort to provide this additional explanation. We don't even try to implement simply because we know it's going to be harder to do this job in a second step. So for sure, it's very, very important to have the operation team on board. And actually, we have practices, you know, when there are 700 practices, they are always clinics which are more ready to implement than others. I mean, we clearly have clinic that goes first and some which are delayed because of, you know, whatever they, the reason they have. That's really exciting. It's nice to see that you can set a interesting baseline for the way that the business is working and their style of, of doing yep. Yep. work within their practice. Once you've done that in Implied Betstoria, what's a way that you measure success? Well, Corporate consolidator, it's it, the numbers are, are very important. That's the only way for them to have an accurate 
and objective view of the situation. So we, and they measure key KPIs, such as the number of appointments. That's a pretty obvious one for what we do. The number of new customers acquired through the online booking tool, the number of appointments which are made outside normal working hours. That's a, I would say, value provided by our software, the fact that, you know, clinic can schedule appointment when uh, there is no reception is when the practice is closed. So that's that's one of the key metrics. Or corporates which are more advanced, they measure the percentage of appointment made online versus over the phone. Okay, so that's another uh, important KPI. And then we start, I would say, going down the route of, you know, measuring uh, the impact of marketing campaign, for example, kind of a corporate running a two months marketing campaign on dental, for example, they're going to put a budget in Google, in Facebook. And what I want us to do is allowing them to kind of close the loop and being able to measure the return on investments of customers who have been taking part or joining the practice or either scheduling an appointment if the existing customer, what was the ROI of this marketing campaign on dental, for example. So that's for, I would say, the consolidator, which are more advanced. That's awesome. And so, Julian, I want to catch you off guard if you have any numbers on top of that, but it's very interesting to me to know, like, do you have any stats on average, a good hospital that uses online booking? What is the percentage or how do you measure? Is it number? Is it per doctor? Is it percentage, you know, online sure. versus over the phone? And then the percentage of appointments booked out of office hours? Because, you know, some people may never think about it that when your phone is not working, people just not book appointments if you don't have a system like that. So, sure. so throw us a couple numbers if you can. Sure. Appointment made outside normal working hours, we are between 40 to 45%. That's crazy. That has been consistent for the last five years. Hospitals will have a heavier usage of, a very heavy usage of online booking tend to have a percentage of outside normal working hours, which is smaller. But uh, generally, we are sitting, yeah, I would say 35 to 45% of appointment made. Uh, and usually, we consider outside normal working hours 7 p.m. to 7 a.m. and also Sunday all day per Saturday afternoon. That's what's called, what's outside normal working hours. Now, when it comes to the percentage of appointment made online versus over the phone, the response I'm going to give you is unfortunately not, I would say, precise. Well, actually it's precise, but the range is pretty big. Um, we can have hospitals scheduling 5% of the appointment online up to clinics scheduling 90% of the appointment online. Now, with corporate, I can tell you that there are some significant differences in between their practices. I will just put the range between five and 60% of the appointment online. And this five to 60% is determined by one and one single thing, not the pet owners, not the city where they are based in. It's only one thing is the buy-in the dedication of the regional manager and the practice manager to implement. It doesn't matter if, as I say, it could be in the countryside somewhere lost. 
it would be a success, it will work if the clinic decide that actually we are going to make this work. Yeah. If the clinic decide that they don't want it, even if they're in central New York, they can potentially, I would say, not make it successful because they actually don't embrace it. Uh, and because they don't embrace it, it the percentage of appointment will be lower. That's that's something that is the only single thing that makes success. And that's why having the regional team uh, and the practice manager on board is absolutely essential. And the only way to get them on board is just to explain. That's it. That's crazy. I had no idea that these are the numbers. And, you know, I can think immediately how that translates into the cost savings. If you have majority of the appointments going not through the front desk, first of all, they're more relieved to deal with the customers at hand. And then also all the appointments, they're going in there. So that that's the saving on the on the labor. And then the other one is crazy to me about 45%. That is not in cost saving. That's just lost business if you don't do that. That is directly to not having someone available clinic and then they try to call next day and then when they call next day, all oh, the symptoms are not there. I mean, that is a crazy number. Do, do, do you have people shocked like me hearing that? Um, yes. <laughs> I'm not shocked anymore because I've seen this number for, for a very long time. But what is even more crazy, Ivan, is, you know, you could argue that, oh, okay, maybe they could call in the morning and everything. Okay, right. But we have to think about one thing is customer search for a new vet practice when it suits them. And when it suits them is when they have some time. And usually, unless they are very bored at work, but usually people buy product or search for new services when they have the time. And it when they have the time, it's basically outside they own normal working hours. So basically they do that on the weekend, on the evening, they are going to search for the vet. They are going to book an appointment for the first vaccination of the new puppy. That's it. And the fact that you can secure, a practice can secure actually that specific slot when they are searching for it is huge. That's that's impressive. So there's one thing that Ryan and I have been talking about a lot about the difference about you know between the European market of consolidation right now and the US. And from what we heard is that Europe is much more consolidated. And Julian, you mentioned before there's different numbers in, across Europe as well. Sure. But you know where where I sort of heard and probably just because I was more focused on the UK, but it's like sixty and north of sixty percent consolidated, and then in the US it's twenty. With that, uh, if you can answer to me what, what is actually split there, but also do you see that your product is more needed in the European region because that is truly margin expansion as opposed to when it's a new sort of consolidation error in a particular region, it's more of an arbitrage and a land grab? I don't think so. I think it's needed by pretty much every practice. At, at the end of the day, practice always need to grow. And at some stage, they will have to deliver growth. When I say at some stage, the, the, the consolidator has to deliver growth. So, you know, not at all. I think that, you know, we actually at the moment, we have quite a few corporates which have I mean, early stage, who are focusing on, you know, just growing their practice as quickly as possible. I mean, that's one key difference too, is that I think that UK started 10, 10 years ago, but technology uh, was less advanced. While now the consolidator 
starting in, in the US, uh, they now have technology available while others uh, you know, couldn't access this technology a few years ago. Is, is there a difference, Julian, between working with a consolidated group that's been around a while, a new one, and independent practices for you? Uh, huge. Very, very big difference. Mm-hmm. Consolidator, they clearly set up team around, and they usually for us is marketing team uh, around the online booking system. We see that more and more we have corporates in Europe who have team of 30, you know, marketing team of 30 people, and we are interacting with quite a lot of these team members. So that's one element. Consolidator, which are much early stage, you know, they are building this team, so they only have one one goal is actually to be at the same place than the more advanced uh, consolidator are. The corporate team member we are interacting with are, as I say, marketing. When it comes to independent practice, usually they have as a goal to improve the operation. You know, we are overwhelmed, you know, phone keeps ringing and we want to have our staff more available for in-clinic, you know, interaction or either to pick up the phone for, you know, the appointment that require conversation, which are emergency. I mean, actually, I would like to cut down massively the number of vaccination or wellness exam conversation because it doesn't require to have a conversation. So, yeah, we see some big difference between these three types of, of customers. Julian, there's always a couple questions that we like to ask every guest. And, and the first one that I'd love to ask is, who, when they're listening to this podcast, should pick up the phone, shoot an email directly to you because they're so excited about what you're talking about? I I personally, I think we're doing you a disservice by just having you on a podcast, being able to sit here and look at how excited you are and the way that you've lit up while talking about the, the product and the solutions that you guys have. I think people need to get on a Zoom with you or hopefully after COVID, uh, see you in person because it is really amazing to see how excited you are about what, what the software can do. So all that to say, who should reach out to you? Which one of our listeners would be the, the best person to give you a call? Um, I mean, marketing team members that want to enable the digital customer journey of, of the clients, those who want to focus on on acquisition clearly you know uh, are very welcome to reach out as ivan said when we started the conversation clearly the online booking is a is a key piece of the retention i mean including an online scheduling link to uh, an sms or an email reminder or an app notification is is a no-brainer we clearly see that consolidator wants to acquire more customer and they need the uh, integration within their digital acquisition journey. That's it. So I would say CMO. So my final question for Ivan would be, (laughs) if any of our listeners want to read something or dive more into some of the knowledge that you guys both have, what would be a great book for people to pick up and read to learn more? I, I knew you would ask that. I was just uh, one book that was circling in my head. Then uh, when Julian was talking about the metrics that I have no idea about or had no idea about, now I do. Usually, uh, when we work with consolidators, we talk about different metrics, and everybody wants to know the benchmarks. And knowing the benchmarks is really hard because you know that number. Julian knows that number, but then you have a bunch of people that have no idea what is good. When you start measuring something new, what is good and what is good for the industry? So my answer usually to that is that if you're starting measuring something really cool, which you know that has a huge impact, you need to develop your own normal. 
And to develop your own normal, there has to be a methodology behind it. So there's an incredible book by Mark Graben. Uh, it's called Measure of Success. He's a sort of lean guru in the human healthcare space. I was just on his interview recently, and that's an incredible book. It's incredibly boring, very scientific, but it's a very good book to understand how to establish metrics on anything you want in the organization. If I can add one thing, Ivan, I fully agree regarding the, the benchmark, but I will add one thing is identifying what's good, what's average, what's poor is important. So benchmark, yes. But what is even more important are the next stage is what's the action? What should I do? What are the action based on my metric? And that's sometimes a little bit yeah. challenging. We, we are measuring more and more KPI. And it's not because I like a lot of KPI. Actually, I would like less KPI, but more meaningful, as meaningful as possible. And actually, what the really important thing about KPI is that what action should I take to improve the KPI? That's really the key thing. And autom making this uh, automated is absolutely essential for consolidator because they have so many clinics that that's the only way to scale this. Yeah, no, I absolutely agree with you. The first book that I was thinking about was uh, Lean Analytics, and that's by Alistair Kroll and Benjamin Yoskovitz. Basically, they talk about how to establish the metrics that are not vanity metrics, because there's so much stuff that people measure. And even if they develop the benchmarks, but what do you do then? You know, I've, I was just looking at the dashboard of one consolidator. They had appointments, like you said, they were measuring appointments. Having on your dashboard 16 million appointments last year what does it do? It's like, you know, what is your fattest cat last year in all the hospitals? Like, you know, okay, it was 14 kilograms. What does it tell you? Nothing. So, you know, you're right. It's important to know what metrics you're looking at. What do they mean? What are their benchmarks? But what do you do when they're out of range? And that's very important. And also, what's I mean, what's the goal? I mean, we, we do QBR with a, a customer and we, I mean, they tell us, look, this is where we are. Okay, and this is where we want to go when we want to be at X percent of online booking or completion rate of X percent. What are we going to do together to achieve this goal in six months, nine months, 12 months? And that's Perfect. that's really yep. uh, essential. Amen to that. Julian, always a pleasure to see you. I know there's a lot of stuff going on in your life. Uh, hopefully you'll deal with that easily. But uh, I really appreciate you joining us on the call and uh, and giving us this insight. Hopefully the listeners will uh, learn a lot and hopefully buy lots and lots of vet storia from you. Ivan, Ryan, thanks a lot. Thanks, Julian. Thank you so much for listening to Consolidate That. If you want to hear our new episodes, please find us on any podcast platform. Also, you can learn more about us on our website at vetintegrations.com.